You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Ross Tucker, Westwood One, CBS Sports, the Ross Tucker Podcast, wrap up the Super Bowl. We'll ask him, what's the easiest chugging beer? It's the easiest beer to chug. Still taking your text messages at 960-960. How should or how does Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season win? That's fresh off Andy Reid saying he had a mushroom and sausage pizza and a salad after he won Super Bowl 57. Real quick here, uh, Patrick, do you want to jump on and just talk about your little mistake that you talked about <laughs> before the break? Well, that the... you angered a lot of our listeners with? I didn't anger him, but we've corrected it. Uh, we It's Jehovah's that don't celebrate birthdays. Yeah. Mormons, I guess, have some rowdy rowdy parties. But uh, okay. yeah. can, I, uh, can I give a little tip to you and Matty Rose and everyone listening? I, uh, I generally like to stay out of the religion talk because mm. it just gets people upset. Unless you're talking about Scientology, which is an absolute cult. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, just stay clear of it. Because uh, you just never know who's listening at the same time. I kind of thought Mormons did have a birthday because my current girlfriend has forced me to watch like the like the wives things where they have like ten, mm, like five wives, wives and they have like birthdays. Yeah, so that's kind of where I was. I was going with that. I didn't. I wasn't sure though. Yeah, I um, I don't know enough to comment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll just stay clear of the religion. Most talk of my uh, Mormon knowledge comes from that one South Park episode, so I don't really know if I want to go too far into it. Yeah. No, actually, uh, straight ahead on the big show, Catholicism, <laughs> and is it relevant in 2023? We'll do that next on the big show. <laughs> just so we're doing next. No, we're not at all. It's not good. Um, Flames and Red Wings tonight down at the Dome. Kind of cool that... You had that game in Detroit on the road trip against uh, the Red Wings and the Rangers, and then they're coming here. Like, what What a quirk in the schedule and what incredible timing. To talk about those Calgary Flames, Brendan Parker, Flames TV host on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brendan, good morning. How are you? Morning, fellas. How are we? We're, we're great. Um, that game in Detroit uh, where the Flames lost, where they just completely dominated the shot clock, but – didn't have too many high-danger chances. And the talk heading into that game was, you know, this is a game the Flames should win. Did we all maybe take the Red Wings a little too lightly in that game? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it came up after the game. Uh, you know, I remember being asked, and I think the, the, the answers were a little bit, um, you know, probably half and half, or at least some guys thought that, you know, maybe uh, just by virtue of the result that there might have been a bit of that, but I don't think I, I don't think in this league you can do that really anymore. I, I really don't. I mean, get, even just look at what we saw last night, Edmonton and, and Detroit, and uh, you know, they the Oilers had to come back a couple of times against uh, the Red Wings, and now they're I think just four points back for playoff spot. So I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think you looked at that game and it was. It's a style that Detroit kind of plays. They they play it in a way that it kind of you know takes a lot of that excitement. If they play it successfully, it takes a lot of that excitement out of the game. Uh, you know they make it hard to get through the neutral zone. They make it hard to get into the offensive zone and get scoring chances. And I think you know I, yeah absolutely they got a lot of shots on that. But I think I'd agree with you in that they didn't have a ton of quality. I think you know given the scoreline though they probably still had enough that they could they could have found a way to win that game. Um, 
you know, and I think everybody now, you know, looks back at it. I think even, you know, Daryl talked about it after the, the Ottawa loss, looking at the road trip in totality that they thought that they played well enough to win that game. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I think, um, you know, maybe there's an element that the edge wasn't quite there, but like what we saw in New York. But uh, as everyone has said, it's hard to play that game and it's hard to see that. We just don't see those types of games uh, in the National Hockey League really anymore at all. So you're kind of comparing that game to, to the one that was in Detroit. And it's like, what, what, what's going on here? Like that, why can't we just get that game every, every night? Um, so I, I don't know if it was that they took them lightly. I just think that, um, you know, it was just that type of game. It, it, the New York game kind of had that, that edge to it. It had uh, everybody involved. And then the Detroit game was just the complete opposite. Yeah, it was a little bit of a letdown, to say the least. Um, I did want to ask you about one of the guys who did speak to the media yesterday, and that's Dylan Dubé. In his last couple of games, he's got six points, three goals, three assists, and uh, is really looking comfortable on that line with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. Just a thought on what we're seeing from Dubé as he continues to take a step. Like That's the biggest thing for me is every year this guy seems to improve, whether it's a little bit or a lot, but he takes steps forward. Yeah, he sure does, and I think you know there's been – a number of years where, you know, that, that question that always comes up before the start of the year is who's your breakout player, who's your breakout candidate. And, uh, you know, I think he's been a candidate to do that the last couple of years. And, you know, somehow he kind of keeps on getting back into that, into that category. And I think the reason for that is, is the potential that you're, you know, that you're talking about. You see this guy who's explosive off the rush. He's got a great shot, his work ethic. You know, I think one of the biggest areas that he's improved on, and I think Daryl's talked about this even throughout this year is just, his his two-way game and how much and you can see it i mean you look at the, the way that his minutes have gone up and and the role that he's currently playing um you know he's he's playing on on you know what could be their number one line i mean i know that it kind of spreads out you can't really number these lines but but you know you're playing with two goal scorers you're playing with two guys who are preeminent players in the league and and it's working it's a really good trio right now and um you know, it's interesting because we get a chance to talk to him. So, you know, new career high in points already at this point, still lots of runway left, which is, which is outstanding. But, you know, talking to him in Ottawa, he was just uh, kind of marveling at, at, at some of the chemistry that's developing with him and Tyler Toffoli. I mean, the whole line for sure, but it, it just seems like, you know, with his speed and Tyler Toffoli's sort of ability to find, you know, quiet spots and, 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 then, and then just beat goalies. Like, he's just a natural goal scorer. And it was interesting listening to Dylan kind of talk about you know, just the way that he finds uh, finds lanes and 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 fools goaltenders with either a fake, it's the head fake, or it's just just this natural ability. And uh, you know, I think I think those two are uh, you know they're finding something right now, and that that's a good thing for this Calgary Flames team. If this that line can start to you know produce the way that they have over this last little stretch, um, you know, obviously that's that's going to help your goals goal production go up, and obviously uh, you know it's going to lead to more wins because I think they we've seen this team's been in generally every single game they've played in and, and sometimes they just need those big moments and they have been getting it from that line as of late and I think uh, Dylan Dubé is a huge part of that. Brendan, what, do you, what did it mean to the guys in the room where he did drop the gloves against Truba after that hit on Kadri? You know, I think it meant a lot. I think, um, you know, and all three of the guys that, that dropped the gloves that night uh, aren't guys that fight all the time. I know Mackenzie Weger maybe the most, but um, you know, even Chris Tanev and you know, it was a guy that was coming off an injury too, and he he just did it instinctively. And we talked to him the next day, and he said, you know, I looked at first, I thought maybe it was might have been a knee there, and you know, in hindsight, obviously they were all kind of clean hits. Um, 
But that doesn't matter. I mean, in those moments, it's all about the response. It's about the instinct. And the instinct was to go and stand up for their teammates. And I think, you know, given given uh, Dylan Dubé, you know, he'd already get – he took a hit earlier in the game, and somebody stood up for him. And I think that that meant something to him. So then he was kind of repaying the favor. And uh, and he did it instinctively, jumped in there. And, you know, I think Nazem talked about it the next day, and he said, you know, obviously I'd do the same thing for him. So it meant a lot to see him step in there and – you know, you, you kind of thought that that would be something that maybe would spur this team on, just just given, you know, coming out of the break and obviously the playoff push ahead of them, and you lose that game. But we all know that, you know, that game had kind of everything involved in it. And um, you know, and I, I don't think that that that's changed anything yet. I think that uh, that's still a big part of what's going on here with this group, and and they can still use that. Um, but it, you know, they had some potential to be sort of a, a galvanizing moment galvanizing game for this team and it's and it's not just because uh you know guys stood in it I, I agree with you I think it's it's who the guys were that stood in there and uh first NHL fight for Dylan Dubé and and look at how it's kind of spurred on his offensive game for it too I mean I think he's a big part of this team right now and um and Chris Tanev he's just a warrior through and through we know that uh, I don't think that comes as any surprise I talked to Jacob uh the next day and uh he loved that seeing obviously a teammate back in Vancouver and in Calgary and you know, I said, you played with him for a long time. I mean, might have surprised some that he jumped in there, but not you. And he said, nah, nah, it's, Tanny will do anything. It doesn't matter what it is. And uh, and that was a pretty good example. Wanted to ask you about Jacob Pelche. He goes from seven or eight minutes a night. He climbs up the lineup. He's getting into kind of that the 13 to 15 minute mark for ice time now. And he scores his first NHL goal. And I think one of the things that has really stood out to me just from watching the play, watching him on the bench with his line mates as he's now on a scoring line with Kadri and Huberdeau with, and also looking at some of the, the social media stuff from the Flames and just how those two veterans have taken this young man under his wing. Can you just talk about that relationship that they have and, and how that's maybe um, in the same sense as, uh, you know, Dubé going out of his way to fight a little bit of young blood in this team has maybe given the group a boost? Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the one word that keeps on coming up uh, when you ask about Jacob Pelche, uh, first and foremost is the energy. He just brings good energy, and uh, you know he's a way about him. I mean, he's got a smile on his face at all times. He's you know clearly happy to be in the moment, no matter where uh, or what line he's playing on. Uh, I think he provides that. I think guys feel that from him, and then and he just works. He he like if you watch him on the ice, he's he's in the middle of everything. He's he's constantly working and. Um, you know, and he's smart about it. You know, he, he's a good two-way player. We've seen a lot of that. I mean, I think there's probably, if you look at the games that he's played with Kadri and, and Huberdo, I think, you know, the production could even be a little higher than it's been. I think uh, given the chances they've had, I think, I, I don't know that the points or the stat line really reflects how they've been as a, as a line. So I think, you know, I think there's some potential there. Um, obviously the power play is an area that you'd love to see a little bit more of that. And I think that's come, obviously we, cha- you know, the, we saw some changes into the power play uh, lines and configurations since they've come back from the break. So I think, you know, even over the last two games, we've started to see, you know, a little bit more chemistry in terms of those two power play units. So that's something that, you know, I'm going to look toward now, uh, you know, seeing a little bit more production on both of those units, um, just given the way that that's been set up now. But I think, I think more, mostly with, with Pelche, it's just, his teammates, I think his teammates really appreciate what he brings to the rink every single day. And, uh, you know, Huberto said it right in New York. I mean, they took him out for dinner ahead of his first game. And, you know, he walked out on the ice in a Madison Square Garden morning skate. And he, he, he kind of looked around and gave it like a deep breath and went, okay, like this is, 
this is the NHL. And, and it, you know, kind of cool. And then obviously ends up scoring his first NHL goal set up by, by his line mates and, and Kadri with that beautiful pass. And I think, you know, he, the, his teammates are, are uh, really uh, enjoying what he's bringing every single day and, uh, and are happy to see him have some success. And I think you're seeing that on and off the ice right now. Flames TV host Brendan Parker joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Brendan, being around the team, how weird is it to maybe quantify the injury to Rasmus Anderson? Because the guys in the room must be like, that happened. He was on a scooter and got hit by a car. Like, that really happened to one of our guys. Like, it feels like one of the weirdest injuries we've ever had here in this city. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... um... And it's serious. Like, the dude got hit by a car. It's not like, you know, he fell off the scooter. He got hit by a car. That's exactly it. And I think think that was, you know, Daryl referenced the elephant in the room after that Detroit game. And I think, you know, you guys, if they took him, you know, too lately. And I think, you know, maybe more so than anything, it might have been, there there was a bit of a distraction in the air that day. And they're not going to use it as an excuse. You're not going to say that. But, you know, it affected everybody, I think, you know, to, to come to the rink. And, uh, you know, or in some cases here the night before, or most cases you, that, you know, it's that something like that has happened. You, uh, you can't help but think of, of the person and, and what he's dealing with and not really worry too much about what's happening on the ice that morning. Uh, you know, it was very clearly the story that day. And, and it's hard not to kind of take your mind away from, from the game and think about the, the person and the human. Now, luckily he was doing better and, and he was released from hospital and, you know, it seems to be on the mend, which is which is a, obviously a great sign. And uh, so awesome to see him on the ice yesterday and looking like himself, and he was smiling and having some fun with his teammates. But, but yeah, I mean, I I I think you can't really underscore the the severity of that. And and you know, again, thankful that that it's all kind of uh, you know trending the right direction. But but no question that that had some impact on his teammates, who you know obviously are real close with them, and and just uh, you know. Uh, you know how uh, how you respond to that and I think you know now we're kind of seeing kind of he came back home and he's been skating and that's 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 a good sign but um you know over the over the first two couple of days where that happened there's no question that that was forefront on the minds of uh, of teammates and staff and you know obviously people back home have you been surprised maybe because whether it's Rasmus Anderson going out and then the team kind of struggles and we talked about that one kind of had some side circumstances as well but it seemed like every time Chris Tanev has missed a game, the the, the following game, it's maybe a, a little bit of a work in progress on the blue line. Then after that, it seems like they kind of get things sorted out. But that one game after they lose someone key on the blue line always seems to be of an issue. Have you have you noticed the same thing? Yeah, I think it, well, it's also the types of players you're missing too, and, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously the minutes have to change, right? And and uh, you know, in the case of Rasmus, it really affected every single pairing. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that first game back, I think McKenzie and and Nikita have played a lot together this season, so that one doesn't you know mix up as much. But if you look kind of throughout, it, you know, every single pair has to adjust something. And Noah and Chris have played together previously, but not much this season and not uh, for a while. So sometimes that can take a moment to take a moment to reset. And, you know, obviously all the things we talked about in that Detroit game, but, you know, eventually you find your way. And I think Dennis has come in, Dennis Gilbert has come in and done a pretty good job here kind of uh, alongside Michael Stone too. I think they've given him some good minutes. You know, he's been physical when he can be, which is kind of some of the things that he brings uh, to the game that uh, is intangible. It's just that he's got a bit of edge with him when he comes in there. And I think he's done a good job on that third pairing. And, 
Um, and then obviously that that number eight and fifty five they've kind of picked up where they left off uh, really a you know a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago where you know they've just been rock solid in place of uh, the the Rasmus and Noah Hannafin pairing and I think you know Nikita and Mackenzie have kind of picked back up where they left off but it you know maybe took some time it maybe does every time you have to reset something like that and change as much as you do on a back end it's not going to necessarily. Uh, Take, take effect immediately but I think since since that first game uh, all three of those pairings have been really good for the Flames and specifically you know Tanev and Hannafin have been uh, sensational. Brennan Parker Flames TV host. Brennan thanks for this enjoy the game tonight. Yeah appreciate it guys have a good one. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975 dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Just wanted to mention this as well, George. A uh, bit of a somber Flames note to kind of add here, but uh, announced earlier today by the University of Nebraska-Omaha that former Flames assistant coach Paul Girard has passed away at the age of 57 after uh, a, a long but private battle with cancer. Uh, he was the head, uh, the assistant coach for the Calgary Flames for a couple seasons under Glenn Gullitson. Uh, Winnipeg native uh, they maybe weren't the best years for the calgary flames but uh, you know the 3m line and um the the start of the careers for anderson and manjapani were all mixed in there uh he ran the defense during his time and was always a, a great kind of guy to cross paths with and, and share brief chat with so um just wanted to uh wish our best to uh the friends and family of uh paul gerard who passed away passed away today at the age of 57 yeah absolutely uh condolences to the gerard Family. All right. Um, straight ahead, Ross Tucker, NFL analyst, Ross Tucker podcast, Westwood One. We'll talk to him. Uh, what's the easiest beer to chug? Um, also going to get intern John's uh, super crazy flame stat. And uh, we'll wrap up the show with some text messages, 96960, name and location. Texting McTexerson will jump back on the show. How should or how does Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season win? 960-960, name and location. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at 4 or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Patrick and Alex have more Big Show straight ahead. Tommy Wielding Jr. will join them at 9.05. We're wrapping up the show. Intern John will give us this crazy flame stat. We're still taking your text messages at 960-960, name and location. How does Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season win after Andy Reid, of course, celebrated his Super Bowl 57 victory? with a mushroom sausage pizza and a salad, quote, just to make his chubbiness feel good. To talk about the Super Bowl, to talk about easily uh, chuggable beers, uh, Ross Tucker, NFL analyst, the Ross Tucker podcast, Westwood One. Ross, good morning. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I have a lot to say just from the last minute. Like, okay. Just from <laughs> listening to you guys. Over the, like, first of all, um, I love Doug Lacey. I've always loved Doug Lacey. I know. But what is a what is a basement system? What's a basement system? Uh, Doug Lacey does everything. If you have an issue with your basement, like radon mitigation, leak, foundation cracks, that's the dude you call in southern Alberta. Oh, okay. So basically anything 
you need to do in your basement, he can take care of. 100%. Crack foundation. Like he would not do well in Texas. No. Would not do well in Texas. Well, I was just curious because I've never, I never, I guess I've never heard of a basement system. And I like, yep. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, I didn't know what it was, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe my basement could use a system from Doug Lacey. Yep. I, I love the I fact that, that you jump I, I on and you're I very like inquisitive. Sound system. I didn't know it was like a sound system or like a kegerator. <laughs> like I didn't know what system he was installing, okay. but I was ready for it. You can go to dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. I love it. I might do that right now. Does he does okay. he work in central Pennsylvania? Um I don't maybe think for you. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, hey. Maybe Ross, maybe Ross, he can help you get away that poison cloud uh, from Ohio, the train wreck. Well, okay, let me let me say something else too. Yeah, if you're gonna have delicious sausage on a pizza, yes, why would you also put mushrooms on it? Like, mm. why why would you do that? Yeah, I that's big red for you. First of all, I'm a big believer. And the salad part of it. Like, I, I'm a big Andy Reid type in that I'll always, like, try to have, like, a salad or a couple carrots or something. And I convince myself that I am being healthy <laughs> yes. uh, when I do that. You know, right. I, and, and, and like, like, I'm literally for lunch, I'm going to have pepperoni pizza and a salad. Well, you know, what is the salad really doing for me if I have, like, six slices of pepperoni? Probably not much, but it makes me feel a little bit better. Right. And the real dilemma there is, do I eat the salad first so Mm. I don't fill up on pizza, or do I eat the pizza first while it's warm so, like, it doesn't get Mm. cold? I mean, that's, you know, these are the type of major, major issues I have in my life that I have to work through. Right. Um, those are champagne problems, Ross, and I'm here for them uh, on our show all the time. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to get to and ask you. Number one, I saw your uh, tweet about Patrick Mahomes how just dare shotgunning he? that beer. How dare he? Yeah. yeah, how dare he? And, of course, you were being sarcastic, but people don't know sarcasm on social media, which is fine. What I wanted to ask you is what is the easiest beer to chug, in your opinion? Okay, so first of all, everyone listening right now, you have to follow me at Ross Tucker NFL on social media, whatever it is, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you're on. But specifically to what the guys are talking about, you know, yesterday Patrick Mahomes was chugging a beer during the Chiefs parade, and you guys know the way I am. We talked about beer a lot on this show this year. This season, I I said, this is disgusting. There are children watching who look up to him. It is just just incredible how many people thought I was serious. And it has entertained me now for 24 hours. Like, people get so angry. You know, people are in such a hurry. I don't know if this is a Canadian thing, but in America, people are so so easily triggered they're so ready like they're just so ready to to be angry and to disagree and it's just so funny man it's just amazing yeah Um, as far as the best beer to chug yes a good question um so i i think it's really important for me that the beer be as cold as possible okay um 
you know, for chugging. Also, you guys know that I am a um, that I'm a Labatt Blue Light guy. Like, mm-hmm. not only do I enjoy it, but they're my sponsor, so that helps. But I think the two like light beer. Okay, here's the beers, the light beers that come to the top of my head that I really enjoy the flavor, which I do think helps when you're trying to chug. And that would be Yingling Light, if you've ever had Yingling. It's a big mm. Pennsylvania thing. Uh, Miller Light, I think, out of like the um, out of the mass-produced domestic, we call it, U.S. beers, yeah. Miller Light's the only one that, to me, that actually has flavor. Like, if I drink a Bud Light or a Coors Light, I at no point detect anything in my flavor buds. Like, at no point is there any, it, it, it's basically just water. Miller Lite mm. actually has, like, a nice taste to it. So I would say the Bat Blue Light, Miller Lite, and Yingling Lite are my, would be my preference, not only for chugging, but also for my annual beer pong tournament. Same family. Okay. Uh, again, that's why we have you on, to break things down. Like this, I got one more thing to ask you um, before we dive into the Super Bowl and kind of look ahead to the NFL offseason. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware or you're not aware. So Rasmus Anderson is Calgary's number one defenseman. Okay, he got hurt last week, Ross, uh, in Detroit. He was on a scooter and was hit by a car and has yet to play since. He's day to day. He skated yesterday. That leads me to ask you. What is the weirdest injury either you suffered or a teammate suffered while you played in the NFL? Wow, that's awful, by the way. Yes. I, I, I mean, so wait a minute. How's he on a scooter in Detroit? They were he was going to dinner on a scooter, and he got hit by a car. They played the Red Wings the next day. No, but I mean, like, did he rent a scooter? Like, how does he get a scooter? Yeah, like a lime or a bird or whatever they're called down the U.S. I think we got neurons here. That That's wild. Um, yeah. Wasn't there a guy that hurt his thumb playing video games? Yes. Yeah. I think I remember that at some point. That's pretty bad. I don't remember having a teammate that was anything that terrible. Um, you know, the safety for the Giants this year, Xavier McKinney, who's a really good player, he went to Mexico during the bye week and he had he suffered an ATV accident and he almost lost his hand. He crushed his hand. Oh man. And they almost couldn't put the bones back together. And it's like during the season on a bye He's in Mexico on an ATV. It's just like, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Did did you ever suffer something like at home and then you're like, oh, on the game, oh, I got hurt here. Did that ever happen to you? No, I don't think so. Although um, maybe when I was playing and definitely now, every once in a while I'll like um, tie my shoes or I'll be laying down or like sitting on the couch watching TV and then I stand up too quickly and I tweak my back. Ooh, oh boy. And it's like, how is it possible that I was just running into 330-pound dudes for three <laughs> hours and I didn't hurt anything? And now I'm laying on the couch and I got up too quick 
to go to the bathroom, and I just tweaked my back. Like, how did that happen? So uh, I found the the story you were referencing, Ross, and it was uh, an Oakland Athletics pitcher, a lefty, who uh, slammed his hand on a table while playing a video game four hours before making a start and broke a bone in his pinky finger and had to miss some time, which made me think, like, what about teammates or, or maybe even yourself? Like, we see guys, like, punch walls or lockers all the time. Have you ever seen someone hurt themselves in frustration? Um... I feel like I have, but nothing's jumping out to me right now. Mm. I can remember. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell you guys a little story, okay? I've never told this to anybody. Yay! Oh, okay. I can't remember one year. One year in college, I may have had, uh, you know, twenty too many um, daddy sodas. <laughs> okay. And I thought it'd be a good idea to uh, punch out some windows. <laughs> So I punched a window. I punched a window and it shattered and it was awesome. And everybody went nuts and we all loved it. So I went right to the very next window, did the same thing. And when I pulled my hand out, blood was squirting out. Oh, oh. So the first the first window punch went well. By the way, this is really going to endear me to your audience. Like, okay, right. keep bringing on the American meathead next year, please, guys. But anyway, I was like a sophomore. I was like a sophomore in college. Punched a window. It shattered. It was awesome. Everybody went nuts. It was awesome. Then I so I do the very next window. Punch it. Come out. Everybody goes yeah. And I go yeah. All of a sudden, I had to hit like a vein or something. Because blood just starts squirting out like like a fountain. So um, so I had to, like, cover it up with I, – I think I took my shirt off to, like, cover it up. And I had to walk – I don't even know what they call it in college anymore, but I had to walk to, like, the emergency room in college. Like, the what do they call, like, a college – like, place where you have to go with the infirmary or yeah. something like yes. that? Yeah, the infirmary, yeah. I had to walk in the infirmary, and let me just tell you, when you have your shirt off and you're 295 pounds and you're holding your shirt over your gushing blood hand and they ask you what happened, that that is tough to come up with a lie there. I fell. I fell, Ross. Yeah, because because you can't get busted for smashing out the windows. So I I have no idea what I came up with at that moment in that state, um, but it's not good. Uh, I I love it, uh, Ross Tucker, NFL analyst, the Ross Tucker podcast, Westwood One here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show. Honestly, you know what's funny? I play what? a game with my in with my family sometimes, and my wife. Mm-hmm. Like, what's something that you could tell me that you've never told me or you don't know about me before? I've never told my wife or my family. I've never told anybody that story. It's never, it's never come up. No one's ever asked me a question like that. But now, now yeah. every time we play that game, I, yep. my, my in-laws, my in-laws will be so proud. Yeah. I lo- again, I love it. I love that you, uh, you're so, uh, you're so open to sharing uh, very embarrassing uh, injuries 
and moments. I absolutely love it. You know what else I love, Ross? Uh, during the parade yesterday, how the Chiefs keep playing this narrative like they've been disrespective and they were rebuilding. Yeah. Who was? Who the hell was saying that, Ross? Because did I miss that? Like I, I never thought that for a second about the Chiefs. Well, I don't. I didn't hear anybody say rebuild. Maybe somebody did, but I certainly did not expect them to do what they did this year. Um, I felt like the move to trade Tyree Kill and get all those picks, I thought that was a move towards opening up sort of a uh, a second window of Mahomes um, being able to go to Super Bowls. I, I did not think this year bringing in Juju and Valdez Scantling that they would go to the Super Bowl and win it. So I don't know if I ever used the word rebuild, but in fairness to those guys, I thought the Tyree Kill move was like, listen, we got Mahomes for under contract for eight more years. Let's make sure we have a chance the rest of those years. Let's get assets in return for Tyreek and uh, and be able to you know have a second wave here with Mahomes, but you know the first wave never ended. What did you make of the Kelsey storyline? Was it overblown to you, or was it the perfect amount of family time? Um, I don't think it was overblown. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild. First of all, that there's never been a, a Super Bowl with two brothers against each other. That, that's actually pretty unique. Mm-hmm. But then for it to be the two best teams, and they both have big-time personalities. And, guys, these are not just – I mean, these guys are going to the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. these are not yeah. just good players. These are not just Pro Bowl players. It's the best center and the best tight end in the league. They're awesome guys. They have a very popular podcast. And – um they're like Hall of Fame caliber players. So I thought it got uh, the, the the proper treatment, I would say. Do you want a stat that's going to blow your mind that I gave to Charles Davis earlier in the week? Yeah, sure. The last 17 quarterbacks who lost their Super Bowl debut didn't get back to the big game. Yeah, so you know I work for the Eagles, right? No, I know. No, I know. I would imagine Jalen Hurts will get his. Be, I don't need to be hearing that kind of negativity. That's not good. Well, it's not negativity. It's just facts. In my head, and I'll mention that in the conversation. I need to. I need to hit the dump button. Okay. On my brain, so I never bring that up and ruin all of the. Uh, you know what? You know why I think that's that. You know why I think that's that is stupid. Okay. There's plenty of guys that got to the first one, one and didn't get back, like Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And then number two, you know, we had that stat that no MVP since uh, since Kurt Warner had yep. also won the Super Bowl, and Mahomes just ended that. So while it's a very interesting stat, for the other reasons I mentioned, ultimately probably irrelevant because – there are plenty of guys like Rodgers who've been awesome forever who won it and never got back. Mm. And because the whole thing, I mean, it's been 25 years since an MVP had won the Super Bowl and Mahomes just did it. So ultimately, doesn't worry me. Uh, obviously, guys like Hertz and Burrow uh, have lots of time here to get back to the big game and potentially 
ultimate win, uh, ultimately win. It is, it is interesting, though. Sorry to jump yep. on you, but it is interesting because, like, in my mind, heck yeah, over the next 10 years, Hertz will get back at least once or Burrow will get back at least once. But obviously we've said that with other guys, and they haven't. Yeah. Like, Dan Marino, is he the greatest player never to win a Super Bowl, or at least quarterback-wise? Without question. Yeah. The guy was unbelievable. I mean, you always have to compare guys to their eras. And, like, what Marino did in the 80s, it's just, like, he was throwing twice as many touchdown passes and yards as as the other guy. I mean, think about that. It's just crazy. The other two things about Dan Marino I think about. um, Isotoner gloves? Sorry. Is number one, um, I often think, like, if I could be any athlete at any period of time and switch place with them for five years, who would it be? And I got to tell you guys, being Dan Marino in Miami from 1983 <laughs> to 1988, are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. I mean, that is way, way up there. The other thing is, um, you know, we're at a stage, like the amount of NFL quarterbacks that you talk to, that when you ask them their favorite quarterback, they say Dan Marino, it's just wild. Like Peyton Manning, like those guys, like even Peyton Manning, all those guys, they speak of Dan Marino in such reverence that that's all you need to know. You know, like even the guys that played with him during that time, they're like, oh, my God, you ever see Marino throw the ball? You ever see Marino throw the ball? Like it's just wild. Um, real quick before we gotta let you go, um, where's Aaron Rodgers going, and where's the best spot for him? <clears throat> I think he's going to the Jets. I think that's the best spot. Okay. I think if he goes to the Jets, they make the playoffs. I think you know um, he weirdly uh, would like really embrace being able to have the um, the audience or the exposure that you get from New York for all the different things that he's into. I think he likes the idea of, you know, I I think he's a really smart guy and I think he thinks the stuff he's doing is the right stuff to do. And I think he likes the idea of the New York market and telling everybody all these great things that he does. Um, They got a really good team. They just need a quarterback. I don't see him going to the Raiders because I don't think the Raiders want to pay $60 million for a quarterback, and I also don't think Josh McDaniels wants to bring in a quarterback that's basically going to tell him, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. McDaniels McDaniels likes to have the control, and I just feel like McDaniels has a certain way he wants it done, and I feel like Aaron Rodgers would be like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to do it that way. Um, You kind of just guaranteed me $60 million. Like, I've been working with Devontae for – Six years, like I'm not going to do that, Josh. I, I think that that I think that uh, Rogers actually scares McDaniel's a little bit. How awesome would the AFC East be with Aaron? Nobody else will yeah. say that. How about that? I love it. Uh, how awesome would the AFC East be with Aaron Rodgers with Tua in Miami, Josh Allen in Buffalo, the Patriots? It'd be awesome. 
Well, it would make the Patriots the worst team in the division. Which is insane. Which which is insane. Yes, it is. Um, Ross Tucker, Ross Tucker NFL analyst, the Ross Tucker podcast, the Ross Tucker betting podcast, Westwood One. Uh, Ross, it's been a pleasure having you on our show this uh, this year. Uh, we hope to do it again uh, later on in September, and we'll see if we can catch up with you throughout the year too because uh, we definitely want to hear more of your food and beer takes and takes of when you smashed your hand punching windows, which you thought was an awesome idea because you were getting cheered to do it, which is one of the best stories I think I've ever heard on this show. Yeah, by the way, not a common thing at Princeton University, the number one ranked school in the country. Not, not, not right. a really, not a really yeah. thing. Um, I think I scared the crap out of like all the smart kids. Yeah, um, not very Ivy League, but whatever. Uh, it's still an awesome story. Uh, Ross, thanks for this. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds great. See you guys. There he is, Ross Tucker on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Tremendous stuff from Ross Tucker, and we thank him for the fun uh, this entire football season. Matt, we got to get to a couple things extremely quickly here before we say goodbye. Yeah, sure. Uh, intern John, are you ready for your crazy flame stat? Yes, yes. Uh, Alex, music, please. Ooh, okay. okay. It's going to end with a quick question from all of you guys, but let's take a look back at the Kachuk trade real quick. In the first 51 games, because Huberto has only played 51, the rest have played more. Kachuk, 2023, 27 goals, 44 assists. That's a 12% increase from last year in his first 51 games. Huberto, 10 goals, 26 assists, 28% drop-off. Uyghur, 1 goal, 14 assists, which is a 16% drop-off. The Panthers in 2023, their first 54 games, 26 wins, 22 losses, 58 points. Right now, they're in the fourth card wild spot. Now, for the Flames, 54 games, 25 wins, 18 losses, 61 points, third in the wild card. Now, I want to ask you guys, who got the better end of the steal? So far in the trade, uh, I I think it's the Panthers. I think it might be the Panthers. Florida, and it's not even close. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Patrick. <laughs> it's essentially what we were getting at here. Yeah, what well, one million uh, percent? Cole Schwint, though. Woo! Yeah, first round pick. Where's that uh, too? That's Where'd coming that go? up. Mm-hmm. Um, great job, John. Uh, I look forward to uh, tomorrow when you're giving us a final stat. Yes, yes. Uh, before before we say goodbye to you and uh, the long weekend. Ahead of us. Uh, do we have time for two text messages from Texty McTexterson, Patrick? Yeah. Uh, we asked our listeners at 960, 960, um, how does Daryl Sutter celebrate each regular season win after the whole Andy Reid eating mushroom sausage pizza in a salad? What do we got from Texty? Dylan from the foothills, Sutter chellies by smoking darts with Kipper. Huh. Okay. That's good. <laughs> All right. Keep couple of Demoriers with old uh, mm. with old players. Kipper. I feel yeah. like it'd be a players. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Keith in Rocky Ridge. Sutter celebrates each Flames win by saying, "I wish it had been Mark Strom in there instead." <laughs> oh, okay. Geez. All right. Got any more? I guess. Oh yeah. Kevin in Killarney. Daryl drinks premium whiskey from the right boot flask when he wins, and moonshine from the left boot flask when he loses. <laughs> okay. Nice. 
He does like the boot flask. Yes. He's mentioned that He's before. He's mentioned that before, yeah. Definitely has a DS engraved on those flasks, too. Oh, yeah. Or just, 100%. I don't know if it's, is it just DS or is it just like the Sutter Ranch? The brand. brand. The Sutter Ranch brand on it, yeah. Probably. Because, all right, like, one more. It's probably more been passed down through generations. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sean in Chaparral. Daryl celebrates each win by going to an all-you-can-eat buffet because he never knows when the next one will be. Okay. Oh, Gotta eat. W's. It's a little negative. Um, Flames and Red Wings tonight. We'll have. Uh, we'll break it down for you tomorrow. Uh, Brody on the beat tomorrow, too. Uh, keep your eye out for him at the Flames game tonight. He's doing Brody on the beat on location. Uh, we've had a lot of fun today, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you got Tommy Wielden Jr. straight ahead on Big Show Extra, Big Show Plus, Big Show More. We do. Uh, Big Show Fourth Hour, Big Show Mucho. Mm-hmm, we'll do mm-hmm. that next. Big Show uh, But as for Yeah, as for uh, Maddie and I, uh, that's it for us. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.